Welcome back to the FreightWaves Health and Pharmaceutical Supply Chain Summit. I'm John Kingston, the editor-at-large for FreightWaves, and I'm pleased to be joined today by Todd Fagley. He's the CEO and co-founder of MedSource Labs of Minnesota. They're a manufacturer and supplier of a wide range of medical equipment, given that he's got perspective on the pharmaceutical and medical supply chain from the perspective of a manufacturer and a distributor. So, Todd, welcome to the, uh, to the FreightWaves Health and Pharmaceutical Summit. John, thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So that was my little sort of nickel description of what your company does. You can talk a lot better than I can. So why don't you let the audience know what exactly is it that MedSource Labs does? Sure. MedSource Labs is a provider of uh, medical devices, uh, frontline products during COVID and PPE items. Um, we're traditionally uh, a development company. We pride ourselves on finding solutions for our patients, the end users, uh, through medical device technology. Um, so we really do a lot of different things, uh, but really development is our key thing, enhancing products and getting a better outcome. That's really uh, what we do in the marketplace. But as of this last year or so, we've been very busy helping with the COVID uh, fight. So. so what were some of the things, let's say, you were doing a year ago that maybe you're doing less of now? And what are some of the things that you're doing a lot more of now because of COVID? Sure. Sure. Well, about a year ago, we were very focused on a few key strategies for new products, uh, mainly in the infusion market. Uh, we develop products with our customers, uh, so we'll team up with them and we'll kind of find a solution that works for them, for the marketplace and for the end user. On uh, this last year, it's been a call to arms, uh, helping procure PPE items, masks, uh, uh, things of that nature, gowns and other frontline items. So we've been very busy really helping out with the, the procurement of products and getting them to the market, helping people get that solution in place. And a lot of our innovation has kind of taken a back seat uh, during this time frame. So uh, there's been an acute need now, uh, but we're, we're at this point starting to get back to a little bit what we were doing before, uh, which is our bread and butter, and that's creating new products. Right, let's talk about the supply chain that you had pre-COVID, because I'm sure it might be a little bit different now. So let's say you had a product that you brought to market. I know medical Medical devices tend not to need a full truckload uh, to get to market. Maybe I'm wrong there. Uh, but what sort of logistic services did you use? Did you use a, a 3PL? Were you using smaller, more parcel-type delivery services like FedEx and UPS um, or maybe uh, LTL carriers? Or did it vary among the products you did? Yeah, actually, all of the above is correct. Uh, we do our own warehousing. We do 3PL. Uh, we've done, we do LTL. We do full container shipments. Uh, so we do it all, um, but what we've really seen this last 12 months is a lot of air freight. We've done a lot of air freight to get it on time, to kind of bypass the, um, the congestion that's out there. Um, so that's been a big issue um, and a big um, need and a very expensive need. Uh, but you know, prior priorities uh, for the supply chain need to be medical devices, we feel, and it's, it's an important time for it. So the expense has had to be incurred. And so it's, uh, it's uh, kind of the same, but a lot different at the same time. So. so so, are you using outside 3PL companies? Yes, we are. Yep. All right. And, and how big is your network? Do you use a dozen of them or are there one or two favorites? And if you want to identify them by name, that's OK, too. <laughs> Sure, sure. Well, I'll, I'll just generally say where they're located. Uh, we have four locations around the world. Um, most of them are in the North American hub here and domestic, uh, but we use them around the world to kind of uh, to ex expand the footprint for MedSource Labs. Um, so we've expanded a little bit more of that third-party service during this time period, but, uh, but generally speaking, uh, 
Um, it's not been a big change for us, but it's a, a kind of enhancement, so to say. We've had to kind of beef up the supply and kind of add more inventories and kind of pre-plan for the congestion that's happening and what's ahead with uh, uh, this year coming forward. And did you find that the three PLs you used were, I, mean, I was going to say, are they up to the task? If they weren't up to the task, you pr presumably wouldn't be using them anymore. But looking back now, are you kind of impressed at how fast they uh, they changed their their way of doing business, or how fa I shouldn't say that how fast they adapted to the new realities? Yeah, I think so. Uh, well, we we've really vet through our partners. Uh, we have a pretty stringent uh, system here since we're re medical devices. Our regulation regulatory is very. Um, very heavy, uh, and we look at uh, ISO uh, compliant facilities. That we look, at, we really look at the top tier. We're looking for partners, and um, most of our partners have been long-term partnerships, and that's what MedSource Labs does: is they partner up, and we partner up with with people that really know their business. Uh, we're not a freight company; we're a medical device manufacturer and, and, and um, deliver of solutions. Um, but really, these people have done a great job um, because they've been long-term partners. And I think uh, if you pick the right partnerships, uh, you really go far and that's really been a, a lucky thing for us during this time. Now the products you manufacture, what's kind of generally been your split about how many of them were made abroad and how many of them were made in the U.S.? Well I would say um, it's probably about 70% uh, abroad and really it's components. Uh, we have ma a manufacturing facility here in Indianapolis or actually just outside of it and um, a lot of the components are made overseas. Uh, we do procure a lot of products, um, finished products as well from overseas, uh, but it's really a global network and uh, it's uh, one part will come from the U.S., but it will really uh, finalize in another area and vice versa. So it's, uh, you know, you ask me an exact percentage and it's, um, I say about because that's really about what it is at this point, one big global system. And the, the 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 parts that you would source from abroad in the past were they generally shipped over by air or by uh, or by by ship? I know that traditionally there's always been this view that medical devices are a big air freight product, uh, but you know if you've got a longer steady supply line going out, it's a lot cheaper to move it by uh, by ocean going vessel. Uh, had that been what you were doing? Yeah, I'd say probably ninety percent of the products previous to COVID um, were shipped. And a lot of commodities, there are large volumes of some of the commodity items. Not everything we have is a smart device that has a high-tech clean room. It has, uh, you know, the state-of-the-art. But there's a lot of basic items that just need shipping uh, with ship vessels to, to carry them around the globe. Uh, and so most of it has been that previous to COVID. And then how much of that did that shift, if at all, onto, uh, onto airplanes? Well, for the first couple months of COVID, that probably flipped the other way. It was 90-10. Uh, nothing was really moving outside of uh, Southeast Asia very well. Um, air freight was the name of the game. And as we all know, most of your uh, viewers probably know that in your audience, uh, it, it, was, uh, it was out of control. It was an incredible time, and it still is to a point um, where it was overinflated and uh, just really congested. But air freight became the name of the game for almost anything if you're trying to move it uh, during the COVID shutdowns. Do you think you, as a result of this, your supply lines have changed maybe permanently, things that you may have been doing that you thought were temporary, now you think, hey, you know what, <laughs> maybe we'll keep doing this? Yeah, I think um, our strategy, I don't know if it's uh, going to change like uh, how we view our future and where we go forward. Uh, we've been looking at expanding our footprint uh, from our sources around the globe more. Um, we've been doing it for about the last five years. We've looked at 
moving out of Southeast Asia a bit more and moving into different countries and different partnerships and uh, different areas. And we've been doing that. It's kind of enhanced that kind of thrust and that mindset. And I think it's it's good for the world. It's good for our country. And it's good for our customership and, and medical devices and as a whole. Um, so that's really kind of supercharged our, our mindset there. So then you're not necessarily seeing a lot of onshoring where you're bringing some of these the sourcing back to the U.S. and maybe it's just not possible. You know, everybody talks about onshoring or you know bringing things back, reshoring. I guess is the term. And then you turn around and you find out that there aren't really companies that make some of the things that are necessary and things that are getting regularly made abroad. Are, are you running into any of that? Well, we do manufacture here ourselves, and the onshore or or reshoring or however you want to phrase it is a great idea. It really makes a lot of sense in theory. Application is very difficult. There's a lot of regulation in our country. Uh, there's a lot. We really need an administration to focus on this. We need some policymakers to help uh, support these. We need some incentives to get the get it back here. Um, it's a great idea. We would love to do everything here uh, to support our our people here in our country. But uh, it's a it's a global world, and um, until we can really get that mindset set from a policy standpoint all the way through. Uh, it's difficult. So sounds great, but uh, we're doing our part for what we can do. But uh, it, there's certain business fundamentals that ha make it a global system. How much is uh, the, sh the demands of the vaccination program uh, in the U.S. putting a squeeze on your supply lines, if at all? Are you finding capacities even tougher to get than it was? No, I don't think it's affecting us directly. Um, I think I think the congestion that's out there right now around the world is what's affecting us. Uh, medical supplies need to be a priority during COVID. And I think uh, that's the one thing we need to keep thinking about. But the vaccines aren't uh, really you know, per se um, giving us a direct impact at this point. And let's talk about the big shift that you said. You said you used a lot more air than you ever thought. Uh, what was that like? Uh, did most of the did, did, were your three PLs the one of the, one of the yeah, were your three PLs the groups that were kind of setting up these supply chains? Did you learn a lot about moving things by air that maybe you didn't use before? And kind of similar to the question I asked before, do you see air now as a a much bigger part of your supply chain than it might have been previously? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, we used everything we could, every method. We learned a lot. We used our partners. Uh, we did some ourselves. We uh, worked with our suppliers and our vendors. Uh, it was a 24-7, uh, nonstop, um, it was a war room situation kind of thing. And so to get products here and to move freight was, uh, it was, it was a, an amazing task for us and, uh, and everybody we worked with. Um, so, yeah, I do see that some of the fundamentals may change a bit. Uh, I think as we go forward, um, the air freight solution is, uh, is one that uh, hopefully can be uh, utilized more. Again, it's a cost thing, so it's a... Um, it's a value to market proposition. We want to keep uh, medical supplies affordable. Uh, air freight is a little bit higher, as we all know, quite higher in some cases. Uh, so, you know, really kind of finding that balance between uh, getting the product to market uh, versus the cost that it's going to be incurring and additional to the product. Your own internal logistics team, I don't know how big it is, whether it's, you know, a guy or <laughs> many guys and, and women. Uh, how... <laughs> Did, did, were they, they? I am assuming they were called upon like they'd never been called upon before. When you look at that staff now, do you think, well, you know what, it needs to be bigger. Uh, they did a great job, but we don't have even enough people that this is just going to be such a challenge that we need to develop more expertise in-house to handle this? Yes, uh, uh, yeah, very much so. We are hiring actually in those departments, and uh, we've our, our people did a lot during that that time period, and 
they're uh, I wouldn't say they're road worn, but they're they're tired. Um, but they they're still moving things forward and they're still uh, taking the charge forward. But we need more people. Uh, MedSource Labs is expanding, and uh, that's definitely a department that we we have to add to. And I think. Uh, uh, as you said, you know, COVID has made this a uh, something a thing that might be uh, continuing throughout uh, the future here. So, uh, yeah, we 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 have a need there. Let's talk about some of your products. Uh, what are some of the ones that you already manufactured or distributed, whichever you know that you sold um, that suddenly got very hot uh, during COVID? That the demand for them was just beyond anything you'd ever had before. Sure, sure. Um, besides developing products with our customers, we also have a traditional line of MedSource products that we've uh, either developed or sourced um, in the past from uh, Southeast Asia, and some of those were PPE items. Uh, so PPE kits, uh, thermometers, uh, masks were all things that we had in our lineup previous to COVID. And uh, it really, it, as we all know, it would just supercharged everything, especially in the first six months. Uh, it was a demand uh, that was about a year's worth of demand would come every month. It was uh, unbelievable uh, for what we need to procure as a country and as an industry uh, to get the products to our people. You know, some of this conversation almost sounds like we're talking about something that happened in the past, but obviously COVID is very much not over. Uh, we still got a long way to go. Uh, what are some of the biggest supply chain challenges? And we, you know, we'll, we'll divide this question into two parts: supply chain challenges, but also as a manufacturer and distributor of products, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges going forward? Because this is not over. Sure. Yeah, I think right now we have an, uh, a container shortage, and that's the biggest thing that we're navigating through. Uh, the world is uh, ramping up for uh, the Chinese ho New Year holiday, the lunar holiday, and uh, the demand for containers, the physical boxes, is is huge. And uh, as the world has been shut and restarted and shut and restarted, the traffic and flow of these containers and the shipping lanes and lines have been really congested. Uh, the ports are congested. The rail railways are full. So that's been the biggest issue uh, that we see right now. And going forward, I think it's really... Um, normalization, if you can kind of normalize uh, where we're going. Um, and I think that's still happening, and that's going to be the issue for the next year and beyond, is how do we um, navigate to get it back to where it was pre-COVID if we can. And then if we don't, then I think it's uh, for us, it's, you know, what we see is how do we plan for that? How do we plan for this new normal um, for logistics and supply? Um, and it's it's going to be a wrinkle that's going to take a long time to unfold. And it, as you know, as you pointed, it might not unfold back to the way it was. So, but we have to be prepared for that. I mean, looking back now on your logistics, um, your logistics department, your whole logistics strategy prior to COVID, do you feel like it could have been stronger? It could have been better? Or do you, do you feel like it was there to, to answer the bell when it rang? I think we answered the bell. And I know we did. Uh, we, we did a great job. Our team worked tirelessly and um, we were positioned right. And I think we always pride ourselves as being thought leaders and and kind of preparing for the future. Uh, we were able through our partners overseas uh, to really see uh, and get a really a feel of what was happening previous to some of the news cycle. Uh, so we saw this coming and we saw this as early as January, maybe even late December, where we had we didn't obviously know the, the, the full impact, but we we understood that there was some trepidation that was happening and we got we got in front of it. And uh, I think we were one of the first out of the gates and that really helped us and helped our customers and uh, really helped the need for the pandemic fight. You know, I think by now this has been with us so long that CEOs who in the beginning were 
just simply trying to hang on, you know, trying to provide leadership and keep everything together are now getting to the point where they're, where they're still trying to do that, <laughs> but they're also getting a little reflective on their own leadership. And when you look back on the last 12 months and also the time leading up to the 12 months as CEO, what do you think were some of the things that I'm assuming based on the confidence you're expressing here in this interview, you feel pretty good about the way MedSource did during the pandemic. When you look back, what were some of the things that were particularly successful that you looked that you could look back to a strategy maybe put in place three, four years ago and say, you know what, we finally benefited from that after all this time. And then maybe you look at some things saying, you know what, that just wasn't ready. That wasn't ready for prime time and that hurt us. So where your, where your wins and losses are are 12 months out from the start of this? I think the first thing that we had here is we understood that it was a call to arms, so to say. And I think there was a lot of pride in um, delivering these products. And um, when you deliver medical products, it's always important and it feels good. You're helping out people, um, your grandmother, your, your son, your brother, all these people are, are getting medical devices and it's, it's really a great feeling. Uh, but during COVID, it's been uh, maybe 10 times that it's felt like here. And, and people people really have felt really strong and felt like this is really a great thing we're doing. And that's been the number one theme. And uh, it's just a, it's just during a really dark time, a good thing that we feel that we can do. Um, and, and of course, we feel horrible at the same time that, with the situation. But it, it's a it's a good it's a good feeling to know that we're doing our little part. And so that's uh, that's really nice. Um but I would say our strategy, which was a big win, was uh, we were diversified in our, our partnerships overseas and abroad and even domestically. Uh, our portfolios were uh, spread out, so to say, and we already had the idea that we wouldn't be reliant upon one location or one partnership to really define what we do in the marketplace. And so that was a big win for us. Um, I think some of the things that might have been uh, a little bit better are um, communication. Um, it was a difficult thing to do. Um, I think that uh, it was hard. So we had some great software uh, solutions uh, that you know, were virtual already in place. Uh, but I think if we would have been a little more honed on that from the get-go, it would have helped. Uh, but we really got together quickly and, and overcame that. So let's say I'm the head of a 3PL company. I've never done any work in the medical supply field. And I want to get in it because maybe for companies that were in it, particularly this past year, it was very lucrative. So I came to you and I said, Todd, you know, what would I need to do to not just to get your business, but what would I need to do to really be a successful 3PL in the medical in the in the, in the field of medical supply distribution? What would you tell me? I would ask you to bump up your regulatory team, uh, get the certifications that are need, and really understand how to control the medical devices. Uh, it's uh, they're regulated, and the FDA is very, um, very stringent, and they really uh, care and want the devices to deliver accurately. and And what is there needs to be controlled. And so, I would say whoever you are. Um, I think it's great getting the business. It's a very great field, but make sure that you know your regulatory side, and that'll help you launch into this business. Right. Well, now that having said that, expect to get a blizzard of phone calls, Todd, <laughs> from people who want your business now that you've given them the roadmap of how to get, get to your heart, right? Sounds great. We're always looking for partnerships any day. Yep. Bring it on. Okay. We want to thank Todd Fagley. He's the CEO and co-founder of MedSource Labs in Minnesota. He's been our guest here today at the Freight, Freight Waves Health and Pharmaceutical Supply Chain Summit. We hope you'll stick around for more. I'm John Kingston. Join us again.